Well, good morning again, everybody. Uh, it is good to be with you. My name is Ryan Alexander, and uh, I serve as the lead pastor here. It's good to be with all of you, both of our campuses, those of you joining us live or later online. I suspect there are a number of you online uh, because you couldn't get out of your driveway or you didn't want to get out of your driveway. You're nice and cozy. You're in your pajamas, uh, but we're glad you're, you're with us as well. Uh, I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward to receive our tithes and offerings and donations. And, uh, and, and then if you are worshiping at home, an usher will not be showing up at your door this weekend, but uh, next weekend maybe, all right? Uh, but, but if you're worshiping with us online, this is your church home, this is also a good time to give. There are lots of ways to give. Probably the easiest way is, is online recurring giving, and, uh, and we would encourage you to do that. It's probably the easiest for you, easiest for us. But however you give, However you give, uh, we are grateful, um, and you will be blessed, because Scripture says when you give, you will be blessed. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas around here, isn't it? A lot like Christmas, and uh, including uh, at, at both of our campuses, a team of staff and volunteers have worked really hard uh, to make it look like it does right now. And so would you thank the volunteers and, and team, the staff that helped make it look so great around here? Thank you, volunteers. And uh, speaking of volunteers, I, I know that some of you, I've noticed that some of you haven't gotten around to signing up to volunteer uh, for a Christmas concert or Christmas Eve, right? It's not that you're not planning to, you just haven't gotten around to it yet, right? Because uh, this is uh, an, an expectation if it's your church home, uh, Christmas season is all hands on deck, all right? If this is your church home, because uh, we got lots of company coming and it's an important time, it's an opportunity uh, for us to show people who Jesus is and the hope that people can have. So you're, if this is your church home, you're part of that team. And so we want you to get signed up for either the Christmas concert and or, I should say, the, the uh, Christmas Eve services. In fact, would you, if this is your church home, would you repeat after me, attend one, serve one. You got it. All right, that's that simple. So, and I know some of you just haven't gotten around to it yet. So if you would take care of that because uh, we're trying to plan and we need everyone uh, to get on board because we're a team. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're in a series, uh, an Advent series called The First Christmas Carols. We're looking at the very first Christmas carols, the very first Christmas songs uh, that were written and sung 2,000 years ago. And, uh, and last week, we heard a great message from two different preachers at each of our campuses, and they asked us a, a question, uh, what is your favorite Christmas carol? What's your favorite Christmas carol? And then they had us shout them out, okay? And they somehow heard all of them and remembered all of them, probably not. But mine is O Holy Night, by the way. Anyone else, wherever you are, O Holy Night people? Yeah, I love O Holy Night. I'm going to sing it. No, I'm not going to sing it right now. O Holy Night. Uh, but, but here's a follow-up question to that question. What's your favorite Christmas song? Why is it your favorite Christmas song? What is it about that song? And you could give some specific responses to, to, to that, but, but at, the, at the source of whatever your response might be is, is this. I think it's our favorite Christmas song because there's something about Christmas that, that, that moves our hearts, that, that stirs something up inside of us, that taps into something inside of us, something deep inside of us, a longing for more, a longing for the ultimate source of truth and, and meaning and purpose and life. And so when we sing these songs, it taps into all of that which Christmas brings. We may not always be making the conscious connection, but, but it's there when we sing those songs. The same is true of the very first Christmas carols, very first Christmas songs that we find in, in the Gospel of Luke, chapters 1 and 2. 
these four songs of people who sung them, who, who, who then passed them on to, to early believers who sang them in their worship services. And then for 2,000 years, some of these songs have been sung. And it stirs something up inside of us. Even this morning as we were singing Christmas songs, you could feel it, right? It's stirring that longing uh, deep within our souls. And, and these four songs uh, in, in the Gospel of Luke 1 and 2 have Latin names. Last week, we looked at the, the Nuc Dimittis, which means uh, your servant is dismissed. Okay, don't take that literally right now because we're just getting started, okay? But that's, that was a good message, Simeon, Simeon's song. Uh, later on in this series, we'll be looking at the Benedictus from Zechariah and the Gloria from the angels. Today, this weekend, we're looking at the Magnificat, the Magnificat, Mary's song. Uh, we find it in, in the Gospel of Luke chapter one. So if you have your Bibles, you can open those up. We'll get to that in just a, a little bit. But, but first, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about the, the setting here in the background. This, this, this song, Mary's song, the Magnificat, is Mary's response to uh, a visit and a message that she receives from the angel Gabriel, one of the archangels. And this is her response. And the message that, that the angel Gabriel brings, it's a loaded message. There's a lot to it. There's depth and breadth and everything else. There, there's a lot to this message, but it can probably be summed up, the core of this message can probably be summed up in six words. Six words that, that Mary was not expecting to hear. And that she was shocked to hear these words. She, she would probably say, I am the least likely person to hear these words right now. And they were this, these six words, you're gonna have a baby. You're gonna have a baby. And Mary was not expecting those words at all. And, and, and maybe some of you can relate to this. There might be a few of us here that if we were to hear these words, we'd go, okay, that makes sense. The rest of us would be like, what? And you're gonna have a baby. And you're thinking, nope, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm a man. I mean, how's this gonna happen? You're gonna have a baby. However you would respond to that, you are no, no more unlikely to hear those words than Mary was. What? You are no more unlikely to hear those words you're gonna have. This, this baby, this baby. And Mary was very unlikely. She was a very unlikely candidate because of who she was and where she was, her situation in life. Let's talk a little bit about that. We're gonna get to the song, but let's talk a little bit about who she was. She was a teenage girl, probably maybe even as young as 12, uh, certainly in her teens. She's young. She was a peasant girl, even, poor peasant girl, lowly uh, servant girl. It says in scripture, she, she lived in a village called Nazareth. And you're thinking, okay, well, here you go. That made her famous, right? Because Nazareth, we know about Nazareth. Well, at that time, there was nothing to Nazareth. Jesus, it was Jesus' child at home. That made Nazareth, Nazareth famous. That put Nazareth on the map. But prior to that, it was a backwater village in Galilee. Nothing to off the map. Ordinary girl from an off the map town. And yet she hears these words, you're gonna have a baby. Now that, you're gonna have the baby. You're gonna carry God's presence within you. Can you imagine how she felt in that moment? Artists throughout the centuries have tried to capture this, this moment. It's called the Annunciation when the angel, angel Gabriel comes and says, you're gonna have a baby. Lots of artists over the centuries. I really like this one by Henry Tanner. 
who is a, a 19th century African-American artist, and, and he's the first African-American artist to gain international acclaim. I, I like this depiction of that moment. And Mary hears these words. How's she feeling? Well, it tells us in scripture that she was confused and disturbed, you think? She was terrified. It's why the angel starts with these words. Angels often start with these words because it's not an everyday thing to encounter an angel. But the angel Gabriel starts with, don't be afraid. You're favored by God. God is with you. Don't be afraid. You're favored by God. God is with you. I heard someone say recently that, that those words, because here's an angel from heaven, that, that's, that's heaven's message for earth. Don't be afraid. God, God is for you. God is with you. Don't be afraid. I've, I've just had on my heart, since I started preparing this message, there are some of you that really need to hear that. Let it, let it like sink into your pores and into your soul. Don't be afraid. God is for you. He's with you. She hears these and it settles her heart. And then, and then she's got some practical, her heart stops racing, but, but she's got some practical questions like, how's this gonna happen? Because I haven't been with a man, right? How's this gonna happen? And, and the angel Gabriel has a response. Here we go, we're finally getting to it. Verse 30, not to the song yet, but just still a background. Verse 35, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Normally, it's not good to be overshadowed unless it's by the presence of God. Then we want to be, we want to be overshadowed I overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, couldn't have children, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. Do you read that verse with me? For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Apparently the angel had now heard what he wanted to hear, which are these words, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. This is Mary's yes to this unlikely, shocking message. You're gonna have a baby. You're gonna have the baby. You're gonna carry the presence of God. She says, yes, may it come true. Now, she's still not taking any chances because this is a big deal when you're gonna carry the presence of God. And, and so the angels told her about Elizabeth, her cousin, and, and so she goes to, to visit Elizabeth. Now, this wasn't just around the corner, okay? Elizabeth lived about 100, 120 miles south of Nazareth, outside of Jerusalem. It would be about the same distance, just to put it in perspective, from here to the, the Minnesota-Iowa border, which I know some of you out of fear have never crossed, okay? Be not afraid. Do not be afraid. It would have taken her about five days uh, walking, 20, 20 miles a day to get to this point. But then she gets there and Elizabeth greets her. Verse, verse 42, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your, your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. You just picture this moment. Elizabeth is pregnant with, with 
Mary's Jesus cousin, John the Baptist, and Mary's cousin. And, and, and John the Baptist leaps, you know, in Elizabeth's womb, just this powerful, you know, potent spiritual encounter. The first time, someone said, the first time that Jesus and John the Baptist meet in their mom's wombs, right? Won't be the last, but the first time. And, and then, then these words, you are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Now, Mary, Mary is an extraordinary person. She's been admired throughout history, uh, and, and rightly so. In many ways, she has this extraordinary courage and humility and, and boldness. And, and she's extraordinary, exceptional even, in that no woman before, no woman after has ca- like carried God in the flesh in her womb, like literally. But all of that is not what makes her, that's not what leads to her being extraordinary. What leads to her being extraordinary is this this verse, I'll read one more time. May everything, or sorry, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. You are blessed beyond measure. You are extraordinary because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. That word believed is it's translated trust. You trusted that what God said would, would come true. That's what made you extraordinary. That's what makes Mary extraordinary more than any, anything else. She goes on to live an extraordinary life, but, but she otherwise would have been very ordinary. This peasant girl living in a backwater town in Galilee, not expecting to hear these words, you're gonna have a baby or you're gonna have the baby, you're gonna carry God's presence, but she believes it to be true. Which means that, that there's hope for any ordinary person on this one, like you and me. There's no one more unlikely than Mary to hear these words. The takeaway thought, as I was preparing this message, I believe the Lord was saying more than anything else, this is what I want the people of Hosanna to take away. And it's this, that ordinary people who say yes to carrying God's presence live extraordinary lives. Ordinary people who say yes to carrying God's presence live extraordinary lives. Ordinary people like you and me This is God's plan for his presence in the world. This is how God's presence gets into the world, is through people, starting with Mary, Jesus. But but then Jesus, because Jesus is who he is and because he does what he does and eventually he leaves and he gives the Holy Spirit that we are to be the ones who carry the presence of God into the world. Who, me? I'm just some ordinary Joe or Jane or I'm the most unlikely person. You are not any more unlikely than Mary to hear these words, you're going to carry God's presence. Would you hear that for you? You're going to carry God's presence. All we have to do is say yes. That's all. Say yes, like Mary. And then Mary's song that we're gonna look at now, which is her response to, to saying yes to carrying God's presence becomes our song. In fact, as we go through this song, I want you to hear it that way. I want you to hear it as not just Mary's song 2,000 years ago, but your song, your song for today. Those of you who say yes to carrying God's presence, this is our song. This is our song too. So here we go, the Magnificat. I'm gonna sing it to the tune of Jingle Bells. Some of you are new or like, is he serious? No, I'm not, okay? It's sarcasm. It's not a spiritual gift. All right. Verse 46, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. 
That, that, uh, that word praises uh, can actually be translated in such a way that means magnifies, magnifies the Lord. And, and soul can also be translated life. So let's put it together. My, how, how my life magnifies the Lord. I love this. People, for believers, for Christians, for followers of Jesus, for, for those who carry the presence of God, this is a great job description. We are to magnify the Lord like a magnifying glass. That God's presence comes into us and then through us, God is made great. God is magnified. That happens for people who carry the presence of God. That was Mary's, the first line of her song. Some people wanna elevate Mary. I don't think Mary wanted to elevate herself. She wants to elevate God. She wants to make God great, magnify. We carry the presence of God and we're like a magnifying glass, see it? God's presence comes through us and God looks great, big. Verse 47, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And you see, you see the, the paradox here, the both and? Mary's saying, I'm this lowly servant girl. I understand I'm humble, and yet all generations will call me blessed because of how God's presence is going to work through me. That both and, humble, bold confident in what God's gonna do. That's also true of someone who carries God's presence. There's a humility and there's a boldness about what God is gonna do, a confidence in God. Now, this, this song, it follows a pattern of, of, of a, a Jewish hymn or psalm or, or poetry around that time. It starts with you know, Mary making a personal connection, then goes on to talk about how great God is, who God is. Who is God? Verse 49, for the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. Who's God? Again, another paradox. He's both. He's holy, and yet he's done things for me. For me. He is eminent. He's intimate. He's, he's personal. He's, he's like royalty. He's royalty. He's, he's big, and he can be so small, small as a baby, small as it takes to connect with you. He's, he's both. And then he shows mercy, and yet we are to fear him. Now, wait a minute. I thought the angel said we, I thought the angel said we didn't have to fear him. What's going on here? That word fear should probably be translated more like awe or reverence or putting nothing or no one higher than God. I heard this recently. Uh, I thought, I like this. That what it means to fear God is what it means to have fear in any important relationship or key relationship in our life. What do we fear most more than anything else in a, in a, in a relationship that matters most to us? Being separated from that person. And it's a healthy fear in a way. If you're close, there's, you know, there's separation anxiety. We don't want that. But, but there's a healthy fear of I don't want to be separated from the ones who matter most. And God wants to matter most. Fear of being separated. See it? And then following the same pattern of psalms or hymns, Jewish hymns in those days. Mary goes on to sing about what God has done. Verse 40, 51, his mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. This is what happens when God's presence comes into the world. This is what God's presence does. This is what happens when people who carry the presence of God enter into a situation, enter into the world, enter into relationships. Well, what is, I'd sum it up this way. When God's presence comes, the high become low, the low become high, are made high. Those who have more have less with God's, when God's presence comes and those who have less have more. You see it all here? 
I mean, the, the, the princes, the ones who have power, a disproportionate power, right, where there's a power disparity, abuses of power, they're brought low. Right? The, the proud, the pride, the, the high haughtiness in us and also around us is brought low by the presence, by the presence of God. The low, the humble are lifted up by the presence of God. That word humble there could be um, translated lowly or low in grief. So those who are low in grief are lifted up by the presence of God. We've had a few deaths this past week and funerals at Hosanna at both of our campuses and I've seen this happen. People who are low with grief because of the presence of God and the body of Christ because of you know, what happens in, with, amongst God's people and how God's presence inhabits his people. They've been lifted up. It's beautiful. It's hard, but it's beautiful to see that happen. And then he has filled the hungry with good things and he sent the rich away with empty hands. When God's presence comes, this happens. Does that mean the rich walk away and now they're empty handed and they're totally poor, they don't have anything? No, no, no. They just walk away from that situation with less. God's presence, people have more, have less. And so they, they have empty hands because they've given so that those who have less can have more. See it? I heard someone say recently that if, if every Christian were to tithe the way God's word calls us to give and bring back to him and, and churches were to do their part and give beyond their walls, we could eradicate world hunger. We could eliminate world hunger. If those who have would bring back to the Lord and the church would do what, see it? And I gotta tell you, our church is committed. You know, if you've been here recently, we are committed as individuals and, and as a church to do our part in that. Amen? And then she goes on to finish her song. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. That's good news. For he had made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Forever. This king that is going to come and and be born in Mary 2,000 years ago. And the angel says he's gonna be king, king of heaven and earth. He's going, to, uh, he's going to have a kingdom that never ends and his name is to be Jesus because he's going to save, he's going to rescue, and he's going to redeem his people. And, and Israel was the, the, the nation that God first gave the promises of God, his, his promises to People have made this connection between Israel and Mary, that Mary's almost like the microcosm of Israel. Israel was this small, otherwise ordinary, off-the-map country, an unlikely nation to carry the presence of God. That's exactly what they, that's exactly what they did. There would have been much more likely nations around that time period that would have made more sense to carry the presence of God, that the, the Messiah or the Savior of the world could have been born out of, like Greece or Rome or Egypt, or Assyria, or Babylon, but, but the presence of God, the promise of God come through Israel, this small, otherwise, ordinary, unlikely, unsuspecting nation. As if God is saying with Mary, with Israel, I don't want it to be about what they are, what they do, or what they bring to the part. I want it to be very clear that it's what I do, God says. And I also think he wants to make it very clear with with Mary and Israel, there is no one, no one that is too unlikely to carry the presence of God. No one. God does, he does things through unlikely people in unlikely ways, even through 
a baby to make this point. My presence is going to come to those who what? Say yes. To those who simply say yes. You're going to carry God's presence. You're going to say yes like, like Mary did. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. What's been said about you? What's been said about you over the years? I'm not talking about the overly critical stuff or the dehumanizing stuff or the cursing stuff. What's been said about you? Affirmation, encouragement. Maybe even when you were a kid, oh, he has a great imagination or she's, she's so creative or you know, you're, you're good at helping others you know, along the way. Whatever it is, what is it that's been said about you? May it come true. I've been thinking about this in my own life, what's been said about me over the years. And it's made me want to, yeah, give me more conviction. Like, yes, Lord, may everything you've said about me come true. I want to see it come true. Those are the specific things, but then there are a few thousand, like some people have said up to 30,000 things that God has said about you right here. Promises. His promises for you. May those come true. May they all come true for you including this one, because I think it's relevant for us right now in Colossians 1.27, it says, Christ lives within you. Christ is living in you. It's a promise. Through the Holy Spirit, Christ is living in you. You're gonna carry God's presence. And all we do is just say, oh, yes. There's this verse in Revelation 3.20. Jesus is talking, he says, I stand at the door and knock. And, and any, anyone who lets me in, I'll come in and eat with them and them with me. And the funny thing about that, when I originally sent that verse in a comment, it was Revelation 2.20, which is a totally different message, like PG-13. So look that up later. But this is the one I want you to hear. Anyone who, you know, lets them in, and lets me in. I've seen artists depict this this scene with Jesus standing outside a door with no handle because he's not gonna barge in. He's not even gonna let himself in. We have to let him in. But he's knocking, waiting to come in. And when we say yes and he comes in and we carry his presence, it, it stirs something up inside of us. It moves something in us. It taps into that deep, deep, deep longing that we all have for something more, for, for the ultimate source of truth and meaning and purpose and love and life and hope and joy and peace in our lives because his presence is there. And not only that, 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 that longing is satisfied and when that happens, that hole in our soul is filled and we start to, to, this passion wells up inside of us. It's like a song, we wanna sing it. We wanna sing Mary's song. We wanna live Mary's song. We wanna, we wanna be the people who bring God's presence and when we come to a place, the higher made low, the lower made high. People have more, have less. People have less, have more starting with us. In fact, when this happens, when we carry the presence, it's like we start to push back the efforts of the Antichrist in the world. Oh, he's getting heavy right at the end here. The Antichrist, isn't that figure that comes at the end? It's part of it. It's part of the story. But we read in Scripture that the spirit of the Antichrist, which simply means against Christ, is, is in the world even now, working against Christ. What does that look like? Where God's trying to bring generosity, there's greed. Where God's trying to bring humility, there's pride. Where God's trying to bring you know, empowerment of other people, there's oppression and abuses of power. 
But God's trying to bring unity. There's division. And we are called as the people of God to bring the presence of Christ that pushes back against all that stuff. <laughs> a picture, an image that I got of this, and, and it's, it always scores me some points with Jen because she loves this movie. It's a wonderful life. But, but it's like the original, It's a Wonderful Life in black and white, right? But eventually, like a lot of these Christmas classics, they've been turned into color. They've been converted into color. This is what happens when we carry the presence of God. When we say yes to carrying the presence of God, we live extraordinary lives and it starts to bring color. It starts to bring life. It starts to bring peace and hope and joy. People lift it up. That's what happens, color. We start to live out the original purpose that God had for humanity to be fruitful and multiply where we bring life. What I have to do is say yes. Just say yes. And, and there's so many ways to say yes. There's that first yes that marks the beginning of your journey with, with God. And some of you might even today, you say, I don't know if I've done that. Well, today would be a good day. Just say yes. I wanna follow him. I wanna live for him. I want his presence to be within me. It can happen today. He's standing at the door knocking. Every day we have an opportunity to say yes. I've been practicing this. When I roll out of bed, instead of thinking about the score from last night or what, you know, news or whatever, like, yes, God, may everything that you've said about me come true today. Yes, I wanna carry your presence today. And then and we're gonna experience this sacrament of communion, and we experience the real presence of Jesus in communion. We say yes, and, and we literally like consume his presence. It's coming into our hearts, into our lives. And what I wanna do more than anything else, just give you an opportunity to say yes, an opportunity to say yes. In whatever way you need to do that this morning or feel led to do that this morning, I'm not gonna make up new words because we already have words. We have Gabriel's words and Mary's words, but, but hear them as your words. And as we pray this prayer, uh, I would invite you to close your eyes or you, we're gonna put that, that annunciation by Henry Tanner back on the screen if you wanna look at that, but let's pray. An angel, which means messenger, has come before you today and, says, and has said, is saying, you're gonna carry God's presence. And you go, like Mary, I don't know, I'm too this, I'm too that, I'm too ordinary, I'm too... Unlikely, I'm to fill in the blank. And here's what the angel says. Messenger says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. For nothing is impossible with God. And our response, our yes, can be like Mary's. In fact, if you feel led to say yes to his presence, just repeat after me these words, Mary's words. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Yes and amen.